0: On this episode of the K-12 Tech Talk podcast, Josh talks about how he breaks everything from his NAS to his email. Speaking of email, we then start trading some crazy email stories and we see some of our listeners have even better stories to one-up us on times that email went bad. And then we talk about the closing deadline of Emergency Connectivity Fund and what are some ways that you can uh, apply or, or what are the reasons why you would not apply. Have a listen. This Is K12 Tech Talk. K12 Tech Talk. The
1: podcast by K12 Techs for K12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is K12 Tech Talk, episode 72. Again, no, Chris, we're beginning we're beginning to think he's part time at this point, um, but still taking uh, full benefits of of the wondrous benefits that come with being on K12 Tech Talk. grilled cheese is from Jeremy. Um, You know, I think he should at least cut his grilled cheese consumption in half at this point. Uh, Did he pick up a grilled cheese this afternoon before bailing on us? That's probably why he's not here is he's stuffing his mouth with grilled cheeses. Um, Actually, to be honest, Chris was in Dallas. um, I think they left Sun Saturday or Sunday, Saturday. I think his Chris is a sponsor of a Lego robotics team for his school district. His son is on that team as well. And uh, their team made it to nationals that were in Dallas, Texas. And, they were there uh sunday through i guess yesterday they came home late yesterday afternoon um i don't know how the students did but there was a parade of nations kind of like olympics it was it looked it looked pretty cool he was sending you and i pictures of mm. the festi- festivities um so it, it's cool to see school districts kind of buy into that robotics first and legal yep. robotics league stuff um but, a, but
0: we had a quorum for tonight, so we can we did. continue.
1: Yes, we have we have two-thirds of the committee, so we are going to continue. Um, real quick. Oh, go ahead. You were going to say something.
0: I was going to say, well, on that topic. So for the first time, um, I've been going to our school committee meetings for, for 10 years. For the first time yesterday, we had to cancel right at the last second of the meeting because we didn't have a quorum. Oh, wow. Yeah. So various different issues. Uh you know, challenging situations. We didn't, we had uh, two school committee members out and then two more bailed right at this last second due to unforeseen family circumstances. And so here we are, we're still on, we're live on Zoom, right? And we're, yeah. we're waiting to let everybody in going, but we can't hold a meeting. So wow! call the legal advisor in, figure out exactly what we can do. And we knew we had a list of about 50 people ready to sign up for public comment. That Holy we... cow. Yeah, so it's okay. We, we were able to like, Open and close the meeting. Let people know what's going on, but then just stay on to let people talk as yeah. uh, as public comment. So
1: yeah, so I, I'm on a a, a board for um, it's not it's not a nonprofit board. It's actually a quasi governmental board here in the county. I'm the board chair, and uh, we every every week that's the top of my concern. Okay, do we have a quorum? Yeah. Um, and and knock on wood, we have yet since I've uh, been on the board going on ten years now that uh, we haven't we haven't had. An issue we've always had a quorum, so hmm. um, and and we're here tonight. We have a quorum tonight. So somethingcool.com, email Jeremy at somethingcool.com. I may end up calling Jeremy tomorrow, so we'll get into this in a minute. But I had a NAS, my NAS die uh, this week, and I am having a, a problem getting the iSCSI initiator on that Windows server to connect to that NAS um, with chap authentication. So I may be calling Jeremy for, for some assistance with that or have his team assist me um, in that just to see what's, what's, what I'm doing wrong. Because I know I'm, gonna, I'm doing something wrong because I don't do this every day. So if you are in a similar situation or if you just want to see what somethingcool.com offers as services, give Jeremy at somethingcool.com, and that's legitimately his email address, shoot him an email. See what they can offer you if you were in the St. Louis market or in the eastern side of Missouri or western Illinois. I know Jeremy would be more than willing to help you out and see what he can do for you. Jeremy at somethingcool.com. Um, yeah, it's been, for the end of the school year, we're like three weeks out. We'll, we'll be done by the end of May, uh, right before Memorial Day. We It, it has been busy. Are you yeah. guys you guys in the same boat where it's like nonstop just craziness going on? Yeah, yeah. and it, I don't know what it
0: is. I just feel like when people start to get stir crazy about getting ready for the summer, they just like, I don't know. Everything yeah. breaks. Everybody yeah. acts out. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, same, as,
1: same as you. Same busy. So, speaking of breaking, um, well, first, you can find us on Twitter. Tweet us. If you have a topic you want us to talk about, tweet us, message us, send us an email at k12techtalk at gmail.com. Share us with your friends. Uh, we love getting feedback. We absolutely love getting feedback. If you were in the Virgin Islands, we had an uptick in listeners from the Virgin Islands this last week. I don't know why, but we love our international listeners. And since Chris is not here tonight, we love Australia. This is a Australia-loving Australia, Australia loving zone tonight. Um, so, But my point being... Virgin Islands people, send us a message on Twitter or an email. I will be visiting your fabulous area soon, both the, the British and United States Virgin Islands. And I would like some tips, some pointers. If you were in the Virgin Islands, send us a message about what we should do. So speaking of breaking things, yeah. Monday morning, think? Monday morning, I walk in and looking through my email logs that I do, I get alerts about my backups and i noticed my backup copies were failing long story short uh the nas that i've had for eight years so i believe it was one of the very first things i purchased whenever i was hired there
0: i feel like we just discovered the source of the problem here no yeah but go ahead no i i completely (laughs)
1: agree it's not mission critical it's just my backup copy um (laughs) But still, it, it was an eight-year-old Synology, which has served me well. It sits in the basement of our central office in a deep, dark closet, spiders crawling all over it. Um, it, it had gone offline and the backups were, co- the copy jobs were failing. Well, like, oh, that's weird. So I go over to central office and I go down into the dungeon and start looking around. And I look and it's like powered off. Well, like, oh, that's super weird because it's in a UPS and the whole deal. So I'm asking our secretaries, I'm like, did we lose power? Did anything go on? And they're telling me they didn't notice anything weird. So uh, I tried turning the stupid thing on. The power light flashes a couple times and all of the drive lights turn yellow for about a minute. And then it turns off. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that's that's new. So I do some Googling and I, I'm i pretty certain the board fried because um, I, I took the drives out and tried turning it on with just... With no drives in it, thinking, well, at least the admin console was, should come up, um, and it did the same thing. And it never, I could never ping it; it never establishes a connection on the network. So quickly, Tuesday, I end up ordering a new Synology, Synology NAS, um, just a cheap four bay version, and some Western Digital Red drives, and I get out of this under a thousand bucks, and it showed up. Yesterday, and things were so crazy, today was the first, this afternoon um, was the first time I had to sit down and plug the stupid thing in and get drives (laughs) in and trying to configure it. It, It's it's been that busy of a week. And now, as I mentioned kind of in the introduction, I'm having a problem getting the dang iSCSI initiator in that backup server to connect to it. it. It'll mount it and everything. But now windows is get it, so it is like sixteen terabytes, and i'm I'm beginning to think that it's a like maximum drive size that windows can see kind of thing, so tomorrow I'm gonna take it down to about eight terabytes and see if windows can see it i like I said, I don't do this every day i don't I don't know mark, you have a big enough team that you probably have guys that they do this type of stuff every day, right yeah, I'm not allowed to touch anything like oh. that, so yeah yeah. Well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting okay so no no it's not it's not that i i mean yeah the, i i hate to say it you're speaking a foreign language to me and and i, I i'll be the first to admit like i don't i don't understand the, that level of detail that you're just
1: that, there that you're in. cracking the whip making those guys work harder right
0: uh no, no I'm the one who's like I, you you need to spend how much money
1: to fix this? <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because i I had to go to over a central office and I go up and i so i've got we have an we have a superintendent who's leaving Phil get ready he's coming to you today was our last admin meeting with him um today so and then we've got two assistant superintendents, and one over curriculum and instruction is who I technically report to. She signs my review every year. And then we also have one that's over HR and finance. and I, I work with both of them. like when I go over there to talk about a project, I end up talking to both of them, one about the kind of curricular instructional side of it, and then the other hmm. one about how much I'm going to spend. Hmm. Um, and there's a running joke when I go to central office, it's always because I need to spend money and that <laughs> and that assistant superintendent just says, "I know you're coming to ask for money when you come over here. So today, at our admin meeting I told him I said hey I want you to know I'm probably going to save you money because we're I'm gonna change uh, I'm gonna change the company that we do fishing service with uh, because I got a heck of a deal through our state consortium. Uh, so he's like what are we talking what are we talking 30 grand? I'm like no like maybe three grand. He's like oh well I said but hey I'm not I'm not spending more money I'm saving money. So he was he was super excited about that.
0: So, so how does that work when you uh, bring a cost savings option to your management, your leadership, Mm -hmm. do they take that and say, thanks, get lost? Or do they say, oh, well, well, I was going to say, how can we reinvest that in technology
1: services? No. So the interesting thing, we, um, very rarely do I save money, but in the, in the, like when we recycle stuff, when we declare stuff surplus and then. Um, I've, we've tried getting in more of a habit of recycling that stuff, uh, more safe is the wrong word, but more environmentally friendly rather than, you know, surplus auctioning it and it ended up ending up in a, in a landfill somewhere. Um, I had that discussion about that money that comes back that we get for those assets, be it just gross (laughs) weight money, or they've actually resold it does that money come into my department or does that money just kind of go back into the general coffers? And the way it was explained to me is it, I mean, the check is not addressed to me, so I really have no say over it. It just Mm. kind of goes back into the general coffers of the district. It's not like I get an extra 35 cents to spend or anything. Interesting. So, yeah. And I don't know if that's a Missouri thing. I, I don't know. And I don't understand school finance enough to know if I need, you know, if it really could be the other way. That's not my technology is my thing, not school finance. Um, so I'll
0: give you a little tip. So one of the things that that we have now, now, granted, we're a little bit larger. So we are talking about larger dollar amounts yeah. and different procurement amounts. And, and every state's a little bit different with your state laws around procurement. But um, one of the things that we have to adhere to is that when you uh, bring in revenue, now this could be the sale of technology assets. It could be as simple as just renting out the staff parking lot for yeah. some event, right? Yeah. When you're bringing in money, uh, y- you, are, you are using district resources or yep. district assets to raise that money. Therefore, the money needs to go to maintain those assets. So hmm. for example, in the parking lot example, you can't rent out a parking lot and then use that to throw yourself a staff party. Right. That money... Was generated and raised by the parking lot, and therefore has to go back into maintaining the parking lot or a like yeah, asset. Makes sense. So, yeah, it it makes sense, and it's and it's actually kind of when you look at the background of it, it's really around like, well, listen, your school board, your town, or your your superintendent allocated the funds originally to build that parking lot, right? So you can't then take that parking lot and make money and put it towards something else that it wasn't. So, going back to the sale of technology assets. When you sell the technology assets for us, we have to then use that revenue, that money to maintain or buy additional technology
1: interesting assets.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So now, how hard and firm is that rule? I think it all depends on your state. I think it yeah. all depends on the dollar amount as well, because there are different rules around sure. different thresholds, but use that excuse next yeah. time no, you, that... you
1: sell some stuff. And it's and it's logical. And we're not, I'm not talking. Hell, I'm probably not even talking hundreds of dollars. I mean, when we get rid of something, when we declare something surplus, it's typically destroyed or weren't won't turn on. You know, like yeah. it really has zero value except for gross weight type value. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm not talking hundreds of dollars. Yeah. Uh, so no, it's it's interesting uh, that all of that whole process and the and the state laws that go with it. But yeah, you're right. That whole public dollar use thing is definitely Mm. is definitely interesting um so i had another thing die today and we've done an episode on this paper cut we we had them on here a while back uh i love paper cut i'm just going to say that up front we i love paper cut we've had it for probably three years now it has saved us a ton in paper and toner cost and just printing printing cost in general and the find me queue is mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, but that's what died today. And I came in this morning and I the phone was ringing off. I was there shortly after, or shortly before seven o'clock. Um, and the phone started ringing right away. People couldn't print. The, the jobs weren't there in the virtual queue. So long story short, I could print to, anybody could print to other networked or shared printers or copiers off of that server. So I knew it wasn't a network right thing. It Mm -hmm. was literally with that queue. That queue was the only one jacked up. So I ended up building a virtual queue from scratch, and that seemed to solve the problem. So I had to create new group policies to push that new job out. People were freaking out because they weren't getting the policy quick enough, so they couldn't print quick enough. So I I had to send out instructions on how to hit click start, type slash slash server name slash printer name, hit enter, make that your default. You're good to go. So that was like, it seemed like all freaking morning, but it wasn't, it was only about an hour and a half worth of crazy, but, mm-hmm. um, and then I had to go into an admin meeting after that. So yeah, my day was, my day was burned early, early on this morning. Um, you guys don't use paper cut, right?
0: Uh, we don't use paper cut. We use a very similar service yeah. um, that's built into our, our MFPs. So uh and it's it's fun because you know we we started to roll it out a few years ago. It really didn't get too much traction in the beginning, but it wasn't until it would it was rolled out district wide that people were like, wait a minute, I can just go to any building. Right. I don't need to worry about installing printers. I can go to any right. building, hit print, and it comes out. This is right. incredible. Yeah. Um, but the one thing for us really that like people just loved was the reverse. So Because it's on the the MFPs, you can scan Mm -hmm. and it goes right to their email address. And people loved that feature. They love it.
1: We enabled a feature two weeks ago that I did not know existed in Papercut. And I'm sure it probably exists in the one you have as well. It'll scan straight to Google Drive. Like instead of emailing it to yourself, then you have to download the email and then do whatever with it or forward the email. You, you go and you can still scan the email that's that's that feature is still there, but now we have a feature scan to drive. You hit that and it saves it in a folder in your Google drive automatically. That's and that's like cool. blowing people's minds. Like, like <laughs> Oh my God, that's so cool. So yeah, we're um, we've got that rolled out in one building and I'll push it out district wide um, probably before the end in- or before the beginning of the year next year. Mm. So
0: I love, yeah, I love the, the scanning It's, it, it has ended up being more, I, I use the scanning more than I actually print these days, but Oh yeah. Um, we would start to, we move to e-faxing, then we would move to e-faxing and then really hammer, hammer the the usage of that scanner. And that's how it really started to pick up when people yeah. are like, well, how do I get this piece of paper faxed? Let's use scan to me. Yep. Let's get that in your email and send it over. So it was really kind of combining a couple of two different initiatives really is what allowed that, that paper cut like software to really take off
1: yep and that that whole discussion we could probably do a whole hour show on pots lines and fax lines and converting to virtual faxing slash Mm -hmm. you know faxing services um yeah that that's a whole thing we still have a a handful of pots lines that we're holding on to right now but eh, whatever it is what it is yeah um so, real quick, let's talk about Provision Data Solutions. They've been on the show with us forever and ever since we started. I almost called Derek at Provision Data Solutions this week. I was doing some creating some ACLs on my guest wireless network to uh, actually, I needed to edit them to allow access to m- one of my internal uh, web servers inside. So, I'm still kind of struggling with that. So, I may end up calling Derek. Uh, in the very near future at Provision Data Solutions, if you are in Eastern Missouri or actually anywhere in the state of Missouri, because they go all over the place. They go down and see Pate down in Southeast Missouri and they go, they just go everywhere. Um, <clears throat> so if you need networking assistance, they are major, major, major geniuses with ClearPass, Aruba ClearPass. Uh, solutions. So if you're in the market for kind of like a NAC type solution, assigning network rights and network profiles and access lists and VLANs dependent on the type of device or dependent on user access, give uh, check out ClearPass from Aruba Networks uh, a look, give them a look and give provision data solutions a call. You can email Ryan at ryanrprovisionds.com. Um, Man, I oh, so have you guys delved it? I know we've talked about it last week, but the student data privacy thing, have you guys started working on that yet? Are, yeah. You,
0: are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're very well involved in it.
1: Um, how much, what would you say, um, how important of a role is your that DPA in an overall cyber plan for a school district? Like if you were giving weight to... Certain initiatives, and let's just say um, MFA on email and at in elevated accounts. Let's mm-hmm. say uh, removing elevated permissions on a standard user, so making sure your 99% of your regular users are actually standard Windows users, mm-hmm. um, and next gen antiv- antivirus of so like an EDR solution, and then yeah. you throw student data privacy in there are they all equal Are some is more important than others? Like what would you, what would you address first?
0: I mean, I think with, with anything you need to assess, um, uh, the, the, the risk that this poses should something go wrong. And so when you're asking me something about, you know, a DPA versus MFA, uh, and getting multi-factor authentication, um, you know, for me, I, I'm getting hit with phishing scams all the time. And uh, the potential for ransomware is is very, very real. And so for me, the urgency of multi-factor authentication uh, is, is going to take precedence over something like a DPA. Not not to say that, that doesn't mean a DPA is important, but I do think for me, it's the, the items that you have direct control over. Right. Uh, and, 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 I hate to say this but like in the event that it hits the fan right who's going to come knocking whose door is going to get get the knock on right yeah. so in the example where uh you know someone gets fished and then they that leads to ransomware or financial loss well you Josh could right. have done an mfa mfa to fix that problem would you just call me
1: yeah no i i agree <laughs> i i agree i agree with you there
0: uh, whereas a dpa I, I mean, I, I, again, I'd hate to take this approach, but like, you know, if a vendor has a breach, I'm going to be pointing a lot of fingers at the vendor. Right. There's not as going to be fingers, not as many people pointing a finger at like, well, if you had just had DPA, this whole thing right. would, it's not, no, not necessarily.
1: Right. No. Right. Um, it, and I, I agree with you. I think if, if you're starting, if you're starting from scratch or you're starting in a, in a scenario where you don't have MFA or, or you, let's say you do have MFA, but you don't have an EDR solution. Mm -hmm. or you know to me those very real almost touch feel type things are definitely should be addressed sooner than later and once you kind of have your ducks in a row you kind of got that you you have your 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 outer wall built i i think it's then a safe time to start moving on to that more of a a soft issue and and i think i i would classify the dpa as a soft issue because it's they say it comes down to trust and it's a good way to establish trust, which, which I get. Um, But regardless of it, like you said, regardless of if you have a DPA or not, that's not going to prevent a breach where the other, the other things are very actionable items that could very easily prevent something very bad from happening. Um, But
0: but then again, um, you know, there are layers within each of these, right? So MFA on your superintendent, Right. And your, your CFO or your finance director uh, versus uh, a DPA on your student information system. And these, you know, these applications that have a heavy amount of PII within it. Right. So I, right. I would really take, it's not an either, or it's a what part of MFA and what part of the DPA do I really want to focus my attention on? And then, and then begin to kind of scale down from there. So it's like, yeah. we were talking about um, cyber insurance a few weeks ago when, and uh, I think you had a colleague who they want to put MFA on, or you were talking with a person who recommended MFA yeah. on any account for resetting a password. And my, I think my comment to then, my comment now is, I can see that eventually, but I I think there are more important and right. more influential levers that we should be pulling to secure our data as opposed to putting a second step verification on a student, on a right. on a second grader, you know? Right.
1: No, I, I completely agree. It it gets back to that whole, uh, usability versus security thing. You know, right. you're, you're going to make it 10 times worse to use, but it's going to be secure as hell. Or, right. you know, your average student isn't going to be able to, to use it, but by yeah. God, they're not going to be hacked. Oh, well, sure. But they can't log in either. Right. Um, and speaking of that, so the, we had a little screw up. It, it's been a rough week in my department. Um, Yesterday, yesterday morning, uh I I hear one of my guys on the fault on the phone with a with a faculty member and he's having problems getting logged into his Google account. And um I hear him talking about MFA. Well, did you get your code? Do you have your phone by you? Blah, 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 blah. I'm not paying a whole lot of attention as to what's going on because I was working on something else. And the next thing I know, it, a couple minutes goes by. And we start getting phone call after phone call after phone call of, hey, my students are trying to log into their Chromebooks. And now they're, they're, they, they're getting an error message that says they can't log in because they don't have MFA turned on. What's going on? I'm like, well, that's really weird. I mean, the calls are just constantly coming in. I'm getting messages from from my right-hand person at the high school. I'm like, OK, something has changed. So I asked my guy, number one in my office, hey, did you change anything with MFA settings? Nope. I just got here. I didn't I didn't do anything. So I asked the guy, he's still on the phone with this faculty member. <clears throat> so I, I holler through the wall. I'm like, hey, Bill, did you uh did you change anything with, with MFA settings? And no, oh, I didn't I didn't change anything. I'm like, well, I'm gonna get in and look and see what the heck's going on. So I log in and go to security and then MFA settings, and and sure enough someone, and I wasn't going to grill my staff over who did it. Cause there's, I mean, there's only three people in the district that have this level of access to Google admin console. And it's the three guys that all sit in my office or sit in our building. So sure enough, the top level MFA was turned on to restricted or enforced and no deadline. So like the deadline had passed it, Google was acting as though the deadline has passed. So anybody that was trying to log in that didn't have MFA set up, couldn't log in. They were getting an error message that they didn't have MFA set up and they couldn't log in. So I switched it back and then double checked all the OUs were appropriate and uh, hit save. Phone calls stopped, sent out a couple messages to the people that had called, said, hey, try again in a couple minutes. So <clears throat> I'm kind of debriefing with my guys as to what I did, what I logged in and looked at and what I changed. And guy number two, Bill, he said, uh, you know, now that I think about it, I did. I I did change that. I'm like, I know you did. I, one of you two more goofballs. I mean, it's got to be in the
0: logs too. If they didn't admit it, has got to be in the logs. Right.
1: That's, that was my next step was to call, call support. Cause I, I know that's in there somewhere, but I don't know off the top of my head. I was going to have to call support and find out, but I wouldn't, I knew one of them would fess up. And it's, it's not, I mean, it it caused a outage, you know, 10 minute whatever. People couldn't log in, but, you know, big deal. It's not like I'm going to write Was it
0: a, Oh, I didn't know that that's what was going to happen or a like I I hit that button on my way to click exit or something. No.
1: So what it was was the so the faculty member was having a problem logging in and he was trying to rule out MFA Uh, causing the problem. So he clicked he he had brought up the faculty members user profile in Google and I guess had clicked a uh, MFA settings link somewhere in that profile. But but unbeknownst to him it kicked him out to the top level of the domain. So when he changed it, it changed it at the top level instead of just uh, for that user. Um, so yeah. And once we kind of did the post-mortem on it, he's like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I did. I'm like, okay, okay, well, now we know. You learn from your mistakes, right? There
0: is there is one toggle in our domain that scares the crap out of me uh, every time I see it. And when you create a a new distribution list, as you call it, yeah. or Google, Google Group. Yep. Uh, and this is a, this is a a Google specific one, so I apologize to the Microsoft viewers. Uh, th- there is a setting as you create the group to say <laughs> add all members of the organization. <laughs> yep. I don't know why, in their right mind, <laughs> they created that toggle, that button, to be like front and center out of everything else that you could do. Who creates a group that frequently that they need to add everybody in the domain?
1: <laughs> Were you, have you been burned by this?
0: I have been burned by this. Okay, and, so, so have I. And the scenario is um, a few years ago, our chief academic officer was leaving and he's a good friend of mine. And uh, he wanted to send a goodbye message to, I think it was to like all principals. And so I sent it out for him. I sent the message out on, you know, on his behalf. And within seconds, I got some kids yeah. replying back, being like, who the F are you?
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Good riddance, like, oh you know, my. like kids stuff that I'm like, "What? what is going on here? <laughs> and it starts to come back. And I was like, oh, oh, that email went to every single person in the organization. So a little context of my, deba- my organization here. That went to about 70,000 people when it's only supposed to go to about a hundred. And so luckily he's a good friend of mine. I was like, I just, I need to admit, I don't know how this happened. I never, to this day, I never knew how that happened. I don't know who clicked that button, but it happened. I was like, I just want you to know uh, that your note was really lovely. Your goodbye letter was great. Everybody loved it, including every student in the district. Uh, But um, we should discuss some of the replies that we've gotten from Skim some kids who who uh, don't want you to leave.
1: <laughs> so, so I've, I've got a simple real quick before I get my story, and it is hilarious too. Let's talk about ClassLink real quick. Chris didn't give me anything to talk about ClassLink uh, tonight, but they've been with us for several weeks. This is their second time doing this with us. Um, we appreciate their support. ClassLink is one of those big players in the – single sign-on rostering type world. They do other things as well with uh, some security features and and, data sets. So if you are in the market for kind of that user management type stuff, look up ClassLink and give one of their sales folks a call or an email and make sure you let them know that you heard about ClassLink on the K12 Tech Talk podcast. Um, We really, really appreciate them spending time with us um, the last several weeks, and I think one or two more weeks left, and we'll be interviewing their CEO, I believe, in a week or two to kind of give us a feel of what ClassLink has coming down the pipe and uh, what we can expect for, from them in the next year or two, and then just kind of where they see ClassLink fitting in in the K-12 world, which we know they're they're a pretty big linchpin in the K-12 uh, industry. So Is that a... Super- Burge? Burge is the CEO? Uh, Chris just told me the CEO, I'll have to look up uh, the appointment. Yeah, I think so. Um, So yeah, we're super excited to have him on and and do a little interview. Sounds like Mark knows knows all these important people. Um, So my Google group story, this is hilarious. If you are offended by the word poop, stop listening now. So (laughs) I've been at my district for... I, I believe, eight or nine years now. <clears throat> My second year here, we transitioned from Office 365 to Google. And part of that transition was setting up the Google groups and stuff. And And I, I distinctly remember when this happened. It was in the fall. Um, it was a Friday afternoon. I think it was it wasn't homecoming week, but there was a home football game because I couldn't go to the football game because I had to clean this mess up. Um, so there was a Group made for a building, so we thought it was just a building distribution list. And much like you, I guess in haste, I didn't read what the button said, and I clicked Add All Users in Organization, and not knowing what had happened. And one of the first messages that was sent to this group on a Friday afternoon was from a building principal. <laughs> the building principal, and and so a little backstory here. In that building, in the main office where the secretaries sit right behind the secretaries, it was the assistant principal and principal's office. Right across there, it was a really narrow hallway going, going down the hall, and they're the first two offices in this hallway. Directly across the hall from the principal's office was a bathroom. So, and I mean a narrow hallway, like barely two people could not cross in this hallway. We're talking narrow hallway, okay. So, um this Friday afternoon, this principal sends out a building-wide email. We thought it was just going to the building, but goes to <laughs> everybody, and more or less said, "Please stop pooping in the office bathroom. <laughs> the fan doesn't work well, and it stinks up the entire office." So, I, I mean, st- that's
0: a that's a borderline questionable email. <laughs> well, st-
1: <laughs> I I think sh- she may not have said poop, but like you could totally enter in infer that she meant quit pooping in the bathroom. Um, it was that's probably still, much more I mean, political. I, wow. Yeah. Don't go number two in the bathroom. Cause it stinks kind of, kind of email. <laughs> so like immediately there are replies. First, a couple replies were from other teachers and other buildings. And I was like, wow, oh, that's, that's weird. Why'd that teacher get that? And then there were replies from kids and they were like oh. cracking, you know, making jokes about who pooped in the bathroom. Does somebody need some air fresh? Like it was hilarious. So uh, at the time I'm panicking. Um, that was when I figured <laughs> quickly figured out that GAM, the, the G suite at bolt on kind of third party mm-hmm. tool GAM can delete messages. So I uh, spent my evening figuring out how to get gam to work and how to delete (laughs) delete messages from uh however many mailboxes it was at the time about pooping in the office bathroom that that was a joke that that came up in conversation for years after it happened yeah years after it happened we
0: actually had we had an email uh mistake this morning um our communications office who I had just met with yesterday to go over our communications platform and talk about like, here's how to not make a mistake. Um, She was sending out a huge number of messages. We had some pretty big facilities uh, messaging today and she sent, she was supposed to send out like a dozen, if not more messages. And so it's easy to make a mistake in there. And she accidentally sent um, an email that was meant for one school to uh, the whole district. Which included parents, and so that was an email that went was supposed to go to 150 students and their parents, and ended up going to over 100,000 people. Oh, Uh, but but it was—I mean, it was. It was weird that it went to everybody, but it wasn't an inappropriate message or anything. It was just talking about about...
1: pooping in the bathroom.
0: No, no, no. So if you out there are listening and you have a better email story. Yes. uh, Please uh, tweet us, (laughs) write to us over email. Maybe each week we can try to see like who's one upped with a better email mistake story. Yeah. It's got to be radio friendly. I'm sure there are many, many other non-radio friendly stories oh
1: i'm oh i I have one i'll share with you after the show that (laughs) i should have been fired for at a previous job but i wasn't uh well you know my non-radio friendly story from last week as well yeah my email story so Yeah. yeah um so ecf round three and i think the 471 window closes tomorrow you had brought up you had mentioned the ECF round three window. Yep, um, yep. So if you are still in the market for E-rate stuff and ECF stuff, those windows are, you better, well, you're too late for a 470 window and to issue a 471. But if you've already, if your 470 has been open for 28 days, uh, tomorrow's the deadline to, to issue your 471. So get on it. Um, I've got my FCDLs already for next year. I, I was super huh. excited to get everything already. Now, are you, you are applying, you're not applying for ECF round three? Nope. No, we haven't done any of the ECF stuff because as my state E-rate coordinator says, when I ran things by him, I was not meeting an unmet need. So Mm. I, uh, I did not apply. And I had that discussion with our central office and kind of, I showed them the discussion that I had with our state E-rate coordinator. And, and we felt better than, than going gray. We just felt that we should just kind of do yep. the right thing and, and kind of, I don't know. Maybe maybe we're wrong by doing that. I don't know, uh, but that's what we did. We had a lot of conversations at the first <laughs> round. We did apply in the first
0: round. We had a lot of conversations uh, internally and with with other districts around this, You know, the emergency connectivity fund. What do we apply for? Right. What's, what do we need to be able to account for years down the road? Because it's through E-rate. And, right. and if anybody, if you have experience with E-rate and accountability and auditing, you know not to mess with that. So that was the tough part. Um, but then the other part for us uh, as well is, you know, the, the ESSER funding, the amount of federal funding that just came into our district is incredible. Um, but there's going to be a fiscal cliff when that yeah. funding ends. And uh, so we did apply. We replied and received for ECF. And then I started to get some pressure this week to apply for more uh, uh, through ECF through this, this latest round. And my pushback really was, I don't have the commitment that we're going to continue this funding afterwards, right? And ECF is all about services to families, internet services, right. computer services, and you're asking me to give something out to a family without any commitment to be able to sustain this, and uh, and that was really my my big pushback uh, for for continuing to apply for for more funding. But you also raise a really good point that it has to be an unmet need and and to be able to prove uh, and survive an audit that shows that you had the data and evidence right. to of an unmet need. That's also a really good point to, to think about.
1: So. Yeah. And part of part of that discussion, you know, year what was it back in 2008, 2009, there was a bunch of not grant money, but federal money that came in one-time deal shot in the arm, economic relief type stuff. And I know schools got a bunch of money. I wasn't at my district then, but they spent it on a a bunch of smart boards and stuff. And the discussion yep. that we've had about that since then is, you know, unless, <clears throat> unless the district is willing to commit, you know, yes, we're getting this, you know, yeah. $3 million from ESSER now. Unless we're willing to commit that three, four, five years from now, when, when those items that we're buying with this ESSER money or ECF money needs to be mm-hmm. replaced, that we're going to have enough money in the line, in the budget, then th- five years from now to replace that. I have a hard time committing to spend something now because you're going to get used to it. You're going to use that product, run it into the ground for the next five years. And then if you can't replace it, you're doing a disservice to your, to your right. kids and your district.
0: Um, well in the and the the I think you're referring to race to the top. the scenarios are almost identical to where we are right now because yeah. race to the top funding also coincided with an economic depression right. right And so you're coming out of the race to the top this this surge of money from race to the top, and then you come out of that money ending and oh by the way, in the meantime the economy has tanked right. And you don't have the same amount of money, the same amount of students in your district maybe that you did before. And so, for us, it was a huge cliff when Race mm-hmm. to the Top ended. Absolutely devastating uh, budgetary season. Uh, and that's, I don't want to repeat. We, we yeah. learned a lot of lessons that time. And I also, I want to make sure that I don't repeat that with, with ESSER funding and ECF funding uh, when it comes to an end.
1: Yeah. And it, I, I really worry about the districts. And, again, I'm not a school finance person, so I don't know. But logic would tell me that these districts that are pumping all that ESSER money into salaries, when that ESSER money is gone, what are you going to do? You know, Are you still going to be able to meet budget with yeah. those inflated salaries after that and still be able to, to have a normal budget and buy things that you need to buy normally? Yeah. Um, so that's why I am glad I am not a finance person.
0: Our district received $400 million in ESSER funding.
1: Holy
0: cow. And, that it, and it is, and there's a lot of excitement around that, but there is a time when $400 million is going to expire. Yeah. And, uh, and that's going to be a scary time.
1: Yeah. You know, it, and what do you buy? You know, you, again, I, I feel weird buying Chromebooks because you're not going to have the money to buy 60,000 Chromebooks three years from now or four years from now. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. hopefully we won't still be in an Esser type environment. Um, yeah. Build a building, renovate some buildings. I sure. But yeah, it, that's, that's definitely a, a sticky wicket to be in. Um, Mid May. All right. Anything end of the year is coming up. I think uh, we'll probably be talking Chromebook Roundup in the next couple of weeks because I know we're getting ready to do that in a couple yep. of our buildings. Uh, my new Chromebooks are getting enrolled tonight, I believe, or tomorrow, from the company that we purchased from. So I'm excited to get those on site and get the cases applied over the summer. Are you uh, doing touchless enrollment? That's a relatively uh, we're, new. We're still paying for white glove. So okay. from the from the conversations that I've had, the the vendors that are doing the zero touch or ZTE enrollment they're charging for it and it's really not much of a cost difference than white glove. Um, so Hmm. yeah, I, I I have yet to see the advantage to it. So I don't know. And we do, we have them do other things, you know, they inventory them, they asset tag them. Yeah. That kind of stuff. So, you know, if they're going to be touching it, they might as well touch it. Okay. Um, that's all I have for this week. Kind of a quick week. Hopefully Chris is back next week. Um, it's what if he's Ian, not we if just, he's not can we call cory you know oh i don't know no, maybe no, no. maybe oh speaking of cory uh listener adam he has a well we can burn through this question real quick listener adam who uh was one of cory's mega fans he had a quite emailed us with a question this week how do you learn new skills do you have a test lab home lab software skills hardware skills um how do you keep on learning <clears throat> and i think we established at the beginning of this episode that you have guys that learn those skills for you. Um, (laughs) I, uh, I don't learn. Uh, I
0: tell other people that it's time for you to learn something new, but no, go go
1: ahead. (laughs) I, uh, I, I talked to a lot of peers that have done similar things and, and take notes from them. Um, I don't know. I don't have a a test lab or a home lab we we flat can't afford one at school um so yeah we just kind of go with it and I I rely on vendors like PDS um quite heavily for stuff mm. so um
0: yeah I I I this is my learning style and I think it 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 wraps up very well in 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 this particular field I'm very much a a kind of person I want a very a little bit of a snapshot of of what a new technology hardware software can do you know, give me a 30, 45 minute demo. Give me then a week or two, give me some time to explore and play in a safe way. Um, you know, that's where a test environment comes into play. That's where uh, having a sandbox is is critical. To, you know, it, again, it all depends on what you're, you're talking about absorbing. Uh, and then I want to come back and say, okay, now let's do a little more dedicated session. I've got particular questions. I've got some familiarity. Yeah. So I'm a little bit of a um, show me a little bit and then give me some time to explore and, and, and test on my own, uh, rather than I, I hate if you ever say to me, like, here's a two day training session, yeah. I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. No. Um, or like, here's a white paper, go ahead and read this. I, that, that doesn't work for me. I need something tangible and hands-on. So, um, as much as you can possibly have a sandbox, uh, a non-production environment to, to. Learn a new skill. I think that's something that's helpful to have at the same time as a, a guided or a training session with a, with a trainer.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos too when I'm doing stuff. Um, when I was doing these ACLs over the last week and a half, that's uh, kind of YouTube videos and articles. I mean, you can find lots of really well-written articles online uh, and go from there. And again, leverage your vendors that you buy stuff from. Make them help you. Yeah. So I think I learned best from not necessarily from the vendor, but
0: from another school district or another yeah. person who's using that in my same environment. So yeah,
1: absolutely. That's why that that local network is huge. Yeah. Um, having that network of people. So yeah. All right. That was an episode, episode 72. Hopefully, Chris will be back next week, and uh we'll I guess we'll see you next. Shoot us an email, tweet us, give us your crazy email stories. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. See you around.